0: Open your Bible. the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Larry, thank you for that good song. A lot of truth in that song. And praise the Lord for it tonight. Well, we appreciate Joanna winning t- also. Uh, Paul didn't say this, but uh, it was a contest. I think about 100 schools. And uh, she came in first place. And by that, we get a $1,000. Tell her to do it again. Uh, and then I think she gets a financial remuneration too. This is, you know, over a long distance, just a wealthy man who wanted to do a certain survey and see how it went. And what was ironic about it, and Paul just told me, I didn't know this till just a moment ago, they send pictures that you're to color. You know, they you, they send what picture they want you to color and be a part of the contest. And it was an eagle. And our mascot's an eagle. It's my favorite verse. around Isaiah 40-31, which is an eagle. And I'm glad she won that for our school, representing the Lord and for our school. And we praise the Lord for that, so it's real good. All right, hope anybody, let's stand together, please, for the reading of the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5, where I was at, seemed like a month ago. And uh, we'll read some scripture, and then we'll have prayer. And I'll review, and then I'll come down to a, a thought or two before we go to the house this evening. Pray for me that I'll have the breath. I'm still battling that. Sometimes I... I uh, I slow down before I, I speed up too fast or I slow down too much. So just pray for me that God's will can be accomplished. A good friend of ours uh, travels the country. I say friend, friend of the ministry. Brother or R.B. Ullett, a uh, pastor for many, many years in Michigan, went on the road for evangelism and had to have his voice box taken out and having artificial breathing, uh, talking situation, one of those kind you put your finger on talk. And he's got such a great attitude about it, knowing that God was in charge of his life. But that's a a voice for fundamentalism across America that's been hindered at this point in time. God knows why. So pray for him if you would also in special prayer. Ephesians chapter 5. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Let's go to verse 18. Read down through the rest of the Bible. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's read it together. Eddie. And be not... And then the Bible gives us the results of that being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord. And all God's men said, Amen. Amen. For the husband is the head of the wife. And all God's men said, "Amen." Amen. Even as Christ is the head of the church and is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. All the men say, Amen. Oh, here he comes now. Husbands, love your wives. And all the women say, Amen. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loved his wife loved himself. Well, that's an amazing scripture, is For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished it and cherished it, even as the Lord the church for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and his bones. For this call shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined unto his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular also love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. May God add his blessings to the reading of the word of God. Father, Thank you for the good song that Larry just sung. Thank you for the singing tonight. Thank you for every blessing this hour is to enjoy. I pray, Lord, you give me strength to be able to say what needs to be said. Help me to be able to vocalize it. I pray for the Spirit of God to help us in these days that we can draw nearer to the help us to have as a prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Father, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. May we see If you've taken notes in previous days, you may not have, but if you have, the introduction of this passage, he says, be not drunk with wine, whereas excess is a comparison to wine that you drink, and how it sometimes could be compared, not doing the same thing, but being compared to that, what wine would do to you, the Holy Spirit ought to do to you, in a good way. It's sort of a contrast at times, you know, drinking liquor can do a lot of terrible things, but being filled with the Holy Spirit could do a lot of good things, as we just read in your hearing in this relationship with our family. And then it's a command, be not drunk is not a negative command, it's a positive command, be not drunk with wine, whereas it says God has given a definite command in the Holy Word of God. So we talked about the introduction, and number one, what is the relationship of the Holy Spirit to every believer? What is the relationship of the Holy Spirit to every believer? First of all, every believer is born of the Holy Spirit, you must be born again. Let's say it together, ready? You must be born again. Say it again. Those who are born once will die twice. Those who are born twice only die once. Happy day, hallelujah, glory to God. I'm not hankering to die. I don't want to die. To be honest with you. I want to go see the Lord, but you know, if I got sick right now, about to die, I'm sure I'd fight with everything I had to stay alive. That's the law of survival. And we are anxious to go to heaven, but we just don't want to go right now. We don't want to die right now. If I had my choice, I'd take the rapture. Would you? I mean, just, just I'd be talking. And we're gone, Whew. and all the clothes on our body be left behind, the glasses will be left behind, the hearing aid Larry just got will be left behind, Amen. all the paraphernalia that we don't need in a glorified body, and that quick, we are glorified to be with Him. Well, wow. that sounds exciting, and it ought to be exciting to us. So if I have my dreads, I choose the rapture. But if God wants me to go by the way of death. I so submit to Him because He's Lord and He's Master of my life. He knows exactly what I need. He knows exactly what you need. And there is an appointment on God's calendar for you. It is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. So he says, that why in the meantime, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Every believer is assured by the Holy Spirit. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 16. Every believer is sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. We're sealed until the day of redemption, until the day we get to heaven. God has already sealed, yet the down payment, as it were, an engagement ring to be placed upon our heart spiritually, that what I say I'll do, God cannot lie, and He said we shall be with Him forever and ever and ever. In my Father's house from many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. God cannot lie. Those who are saved are going to heaven. All oh, God's people said, Amen. those that are lost are going to hell, and that's sad. But God, saved people will go to heaven on the guarantee of God. Now, place the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit live in you as the earnest of that, of the down payment for that, to recognize that it's going to come to fruition one day somewhere down the road. And so we praise the Lord for being sealed, but the stamp of approval. We are a legal... He is a legal owner of our life. We are not our own... We've been bought with a price, and that price is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're sealed with a legal mark, a legal mark from the King of Glory, has sealed us, put His stamp of approval on us, and we're special possession to God. I don't know how special you think God is, but He's real special. But just reverse it. How special are we to God? Do you believe that God would he send His Son for one person? Probably. If there's only one person to be saved and God has the love He has, and that person sinned, God would send His only begotten Son to die on the cross of Calvary, and Jesus would willingly come. As a matter of fact, all of us would realize tonight how precious we are to God. He talked about precious promises in Peter, precious blood and so forth that uh, is given through the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're precious to God. I'm one of God's favorites. Are you listening to me? And so are you. As a matter of fact, he may not have any favorites as it relates to some issues. Somebody said, did Jesus would Jesus show favor? Well, Peter, James, and John was the inner circle. John was the beloved disciple. Maybe he was a little favored in a way because he had a special purpose for him to accomplish, especially to give us the book of John and to give us the Johns, three Johns in the Old Testament and New Testament and also the book of Revelation. So all that goes together and it's telling us that God loves us, And we are engaged to Him. We are the bride. He's the groom. And the groom is coming back for the bride. And the bride and the groom will be together forever and ever. And we'll dwell together and eat together in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16 I just quoted. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwell in you. And then Romans 8 9, the Bible says, "But But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, and if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Romans 8:9. So in my body tonight, I've said this repeatedly, dwells the Holy Spirit of God. And in your body, if you're saved, he dwells there. You may not feel him, but you will f- be filled if you allow him to be so. He will fill you. You may not feel him. Sometimes you may, sometimes you may not. It's F-E-E-L-I-N-G Feelings and emotional up and down the ladder. We may feel safe one day. You may feel like God's a million miles away the next day. But when you're filled, if I, L-L-E-D, you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I, I asked Brother Beckham while he was here, a, a good friend and a good man and a godly man. So we were together somewhere, maybe in the office or somewhere, and I said, can I ask you a personal question? He said, oh, by all means. How's your prayer life, Dr. Beckham? He said, I'm glad you asked. He said, every morning I get up and talk to the Heavenly Father. And he says, then I yield myself to the Holy Spirit. If you're asking me if I pray for hours and hours on, on end, no, I don't. He says, it's just tough to do that in your schedule of today's society. He said, there's sometimes I spend longer periods than others. But I talk to my Heavenly Father every day, and I yield myself to Him every day. And he said that while he was here. Heavenly Father, is He your Heavenly Father? And, and you get used to that before, I think he said, before you even get out of bed, or one of the preachers did. Even before you get out of bed and you're sort of conscious, Heavenly Father, I yield myself to you today. That'll change your life. Now I said, matter of fact, a lot of preachers used to get up 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning to pray, and that was always convicting to me. they get up 3, 4, 5 o'clock and pray for 3 or 4 hours. Wow, that's amazing. But then I found out in reading, if you read enough, you find out a lot of answers. They went to bed at 7.30. Just read it. Ian. E. Bounds, the great man who wrote the book on prayer. He said he, as soon as supper's over, he gets dressed for bed. And if he's got company, he says, I've got a very important appointment in the morning. So I've got to go to bed. So he go to bed right after he eats supper. Well, I could do that too. if I, I could probably get up until 3 o'clock and pray. But I don't, I'm not saying in a critical manner, I'm saying sometimes we're not in the same culture they were in and have all the responsibilities we have. It's tough to get up early and get all the things you want to do, plus all the responsibilities you have. But you can still talk to the Heavenly Father. It may be a, a few minutes. It may be an hour. I think there's some special time in prayer that we all, all of us ought to have and not get so busy that we become too busy to pray. And uh, he said, I just love to talk to my Heavenly Father every day for a few minutes. It just changes my whole outlook on life. And when you yield yourself to God, whatever comes across my path today, I will not grumble or complain. Well, that'll kick you in the heart, convicting-wise. I yield myself to you, whatever comes across my path today, I will not complain because it comes from God. Or God allowed it to happen or God sent it? One or the other. It can't be anything else. Either God allowed it or God, God sent it. And both go sort of parallel together. And God allows things to come to our life. I can't figure it out. Nancy and I were talking about Brother Sexton. She said, It's hard to understand why a voice like Brother Sexton, who's touched America and the world, not only with his pastoring a church and establishing a college that has several thousand students, but also the Sunday school literature that we use uh, is all over the world and used by a lot of different people. And here's a voice that for three months has been incapacitated. From the world standpoint, from the human standpoint, look back and say, I don't understand that. That's the reason why he's God and you're not. And God has a purpose for all that. And I can't see that sometime. And my flesh wants to get in the way and find myself complaining about my lot in life. Mine's mighty, mighty small compared to most people, and so is yours. But troubles come. A man that is born of woman in a few days is full of what? Trouble. Had any trouble this week? A man who is born of woman is a few days full of trouble. We live in a troubled world. Troubled days come to our life. And ain't nobody immune to that. Sometimes I went, got a physical today and they, they go through all that wellness stuff you got to have for insurance purposes. And they give me the three words up front, baby kitchen oven, not oven. No, I didn't figure out what it was. And then they asked me at the end, of the end of the examination what the three words were. Then they put the clock. Anybody done this? And they put the face of a clock, just the face of a clock. All right, preacher said, now put the numbers on it as they're supposed to be on a clock. And you do that. You put the numbers down as you remember them on the clock, and then you—they uh, give you a, a time. And she said ten after eleven. So based on my clock, I put ten after eleven, and I got an A plus on my test. I just want you to know that, and I was glad to pass it. A little anxiety because sometimes you, you can't get any of it. You say, "Man, I must be going crazy." And uh, but what got him crazy was she took her took my blood pressure. And it was 100, Fred, 100 over something. And I've never had a, a low blood pressure. So the doc comes in and he says, that's unusual, you rivet. He said, to have that kind of blood pressure, he said, it don't sound right. I said, well, that's what it says. He says, let me take it again. He took it again the second time. And it was 118. So that was good. And he said, meant some malfunction when she took it. It's just the doctor's hand, I guess, versus the nurse. I'm not sure... But sometimes you come in, sit down, you're already wore out when you get that there, And it just pushes it up a little higher. But anyhow, I said, oh my, I've got low blood pressure to go with everything else for just a few minutes. Psychologically, it begins to hit you. Lord, am I dying? You know, what's going on in my body? And, but, and the answer is, yes, you are. We're born to die. We're born to die. And one day, Job talked about it well. If a man dies, shall he live again? And his appointment with death, as I said a while ago. So this being filled with the Holy Spirit, He seals us on the day of redemption. Praise the Lord. Engagement ring, if you please. a symbol to remind us that we are His, and we are in the family of God, and we're going to go to heaven with the grace of, by the grace of God. Every believer is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Inhabited by the Holy Spirit, indwelling presence is the secret to the Christian life. In my notes, I have two stars above that. The indwelling presence is the secret of the Christian life. And Scott did such a great job preaching about Ruth and about the possession that we are to him, Boaz, and how precious it was, and uh, his very presence. And he talks about being under his wings throughout the scriptures. One of the great sermons on Ruth, if you were here, that's one that's well worth having. He also told me, I don't think he said it publicly, he's got a book coming out on Aquila and Priscilla. I said, there's not too much in the Bible about Aquila and Priscilla. He said it's mentioned four times. One of the greatest passages I've ever done, ever studied is about Quill and Priscilla. So I'm looking forward. Now, I'm trying to write the book of Ruth, write a book on the book of Ruth. Uh, if anything like the sermon he preached publicly, it'd be well worth to have in your library. Some sermons you listen to one time, some of them you listen to over and over. And some sermons I read one time, some sermons I read over and over again. Uh, i got a book in my library, I've read it a 100 times. It's called They Found the Secret. They Found the Secret. And the secret is dwelling. In the presence of the Lord. And if he be for us, who could be against us? I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me and gave himself for me. If he conquered death, hell, and the grave, there ain't no problem he can't solve. And he may solve it differently. He may solve it by taking you to heaven. But he solves it. Amen. But sometimes he supernaturally steps in and does it down in this world. And we may even take natural remedies uh, through medicine and so forth. Luke was a doctor, if you remember in the Bible, a physician. So God's not opposed to medicine. God is opposed to us not asking Him for help. You know, one of the first things that happens to us when we go rush to the hospital, oftentimes we're talking to God, and that's what we ought to be doing. We ought to be talking to God every day so we're not a stranger to Him. It'd be good to know God every day. When your body's sort of healthy and you're going along fine, you can talk to God when you're healthy. And when you're unhealthy and when things are not going good, you realize it's a very serious matter, which it is. Lord, you promised to be with me. I need your help. And boy, have just got to be reminded of who he is and what he said. And I said a while ago, God cannot lie. He never has. He never will. The Holy Spirit may be living in our hearts, but not completely ruling our hearts. That's where he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine. where is excess, overdoing it with the liquor side. But you can't overdo it with the Holy Spirit of God. He wants to control you. And that word field means to be controlled by or with the Spirit of God. And so if we are, He can be in our hearts. He resides in our hearts. He lives in our heart. Romans eight nineteen, 19, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He lives in our heart, but He doesn't always rule our hearts. And He wants to be the captain of our salvation. He wants to be the captain of our soul. Christ may be the Savior, but not the sovereign King of your life and my life. Sometimes I say, Lord, I'm so far away from you. I, sense, I don't sense your presence like I ought to. Now, that's not his fault. That's my fault. There is, pre- there is joy in the presence of the Lord. When I lose my joy bell, it's because I'm not in the presence of the Lord. Now, you may be depressed, but you can also be joyful. We're the only people who can do that. Christian people can have a joy in their heart be depressed on the outside. Depression is not altogether sin some of the greatest Christians in the Bible got depressed. The sin is staying in the, in the valley of depression. If you're always depressed, and that's one of the questions they ask you on physical sometimes. The last question, have you thought about suicide today? Well, no, I didn't. Now, if you did, that's sometimes folks do. They think about suicide. Christian people think about suicide. The question comes up, can a person commit suicide and go to heaven? Suicide no different than the other kind of sin. And, and God's not going to keep you out of heaven if you say it. And sometimes you may think about suicide and get so depressed. Some of the best Christians I've ever met in my life have been folks who have been in the valley of depression. And they just couldn't hardly get out of it. And they almost become obsessed with it in their life. And the only answer to depression is God's book. I mean, you can get all the authority and all the advice and all the books you want to read. But when you come down to the Holy Scriptures, if you read the book, the Psalms, somewhere along the way it can take you out of depression if you allow allowed to but you've got to be close to him. Sometimes we're far from God. I've been there, been both places. How can you sing the Lord's song down in Babylon when you're being worldly? The Israelites say, we've hung our harps on the willow trees for our song has gone out. They lost their song in captivity. But then they begin to sing the song of Moses, remember? When they come up out of Egypt, the song of Moses is a long chapter in the word of God, singing a song of redemption. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And that's the song they had, the same song that we sing, is we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The Holy Spirit may be the resident of your life, but not the president. So the title of this sermon is Resident or President. He may be the resident, but he's not the president. What is the filling of the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, the child of God has opened up to us every room to the Holy Spirit. It's a house, and he belongs in every area of our life. Now, let's be honest for just a moment. Sometimes we're not filled with the Holy Spirit because there's chapters or there's rooms in our life that we don't allow Him to come into. We put on the door, we don't say it verbally, open by permission only. There's some areas of people's lives, they go, and I may have talked about these a little bit the last time I talked on being filled with the Holy Spirit. But every man in this house, every man who has a house, if he's saved, the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of that house. And the Holy Spirit being filled means I want to control every area of your life. Well, when He controls every area of your life and you yield yourself to Him, it doesn't mean you never sin. It doesn't mean that you don't falter and fail Him from time to time. You've got to constantly, it's in that tense when you're constantly being filled, continually filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The best friend you'll ever have and I'll ever have is the Holy Spirit of God. The one who walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am his own is the dear, precious Holy Spirit. And God is giving love through the communication of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temper, and so forth. Love is number one, and he loves us. And I've said this repeatedly. One of the greatest truths that I ever learned as a preacher and as a Christian is that God loves me. And I don't, I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying that quickly. I'm not saying that just to be saying something. It dawned on me that God loved me just like, exactly like I am. He loves me. He loves me in the morning. He loves me in the evening. He loves me at night. He loves me when I do right. He loves me when I do wrong. He loves me. I am a child of the living God. And because of that wonderful truth, God wants to draw near to the one He loves, and the one He loves should want to draw near to Him. Draw nigh unto me, James said, it Well, And we all need to humble ourselves and draw nigh unto God, be as close to God as we can. How close can we get? Being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, where we yield ourselves, where we think about Him all day long. So if you're going to shopping and things are going bad, Holy Spirit, can you help me? Slap the person behind me or something. (laughs) When you're going down the road in the car and somebody's about to run over you, Lord, give them a flat tire, don't let me run into them. I'm not praying selfishly, but I'm trying to save my life. I got my wife in here. I don't want to kill her. She always says, when I'm driving, when I get close to having an accident, you're going to kill us all. That's her favorite statement. You're going to kill us all. And the joy that I had a few weeks ago was driving with her. I was the passenger and she was the passenger. And she was doing the driving. And I smiled when she almost had an accident. It wasn't funny. I said, you're going to kill us all. And she said, "You're going to kill us all. So we may go out together on the same flight. I don't know. But the fact is, he wants us to realize that we need him in every area of our life. So I talked about several rooms. He's not the guest. He's the master. There's a big difference. If I come to your house as a guest, and you say, make yourself at home. You get me here and they plugged out here. Make yourself at home. What's that mean? What do you mean with that? Does that mean I can go lay on the couch? Oh, yeah, that'd be all right, but... It wouldn't be no place for others to sit. Well, I know when I'm tired, make yourself in a home. That means I can go plunging around in the, in the kitchen. I can go find the peanut butter jar and the jelly jar, and the mayonnaise jar. You say, well, you want not to be plunging around in, in Doug and Kathy's kitchen, find Doug's beer and everything else in there. You know, looking. I got a right to. The Holy Spirit does. If he goes into Doug's kitchen and finds a beer, he, first thing ought to happen is the Holy Spirit calls me. <laughs> and then I call Kathy and I say, is it true? And she says, yeah, he's going back to drinking. Did you ever drink, Doug? Yeah. <laughs> no. But the fact the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you're doing in the dark. Boy, it knows exactly where you're at and what room. I got down to the study room. You know, what do you do? What do you study most about? What do you study most about? What do you read most about? And let me be, be honest with you, and I don't, I'm not saying it to hurt anybody, but some folks read fiction more than the fact. I'm not opposed to fiction. I like some fiction. But if your digest is made up of fiction or stories, you're missing what the Bible says. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed rightly to the word of truth. So I'm supposed to study the Word of God. And somebody said studying the Word of God is studying with a pencil in your hand or at least to be a reference and going back and forth. One of the joys of reading the Bible is it clicks something. And you, you say, then you may look up in your concordance. If you've got one in your Bible, you ought to have one close by. Every word is listed in a good concordance. You can run a reference any time on a word. It makes a tremendous difference what, what we read and, and how we sense the presence of God. More and more as you read the Bible... You're getting closer to God because this is the living book. It is a book that's alive. It's not dead. But the sadness is the average Christian does not read the Bible. Not taking surveys now, but most of us here, if we're honest, would say, I've not read the Bible today. You may not have as much time as somebody else, but you've got time. All of us have 24 hours, seven seven days a week. This is leap year. You can leap over a few things this year, 29 days in February. And I hope you've read the Bible through sometime in your life. You may not have done it this. I'm just about finishing up with the Bible for, the, for this, this year. And I'm grateful that God's let me read it again this year. Try to read it. I'm going to try to take Brother Brecken's Bible and go through the whole Bible on prayer like some other folks are doing. And read all the information he's put in there along with it to be a commentary to the passage. And all the scriptures are in yellow, highlighted, that talk about prayers in the Bible. But however you study the Bible, find a way to study it. You can study it by book. You can study it by verse. You can study it by chapter. You can study it by paragraph. You can study it by word. They're just amazing. Just how God can open up the Holy Scriptures to us. So, what is your study room like? Is he in control of it? Does he have control of what you read? I mean, you can't get spiritual reading modern romance and some of them other magazines and so on. I don't know what they are nowadays, what's popular. Uh, used to be one called uh, People. You know, you see a doctor's office of people, and all about people. Now we can learn all about people and all the garbage and all the scandals they have. But you can't find any scandals about the Lord if he read it. In Him I find no sin, was it declared? I find Him not guilty. So said Pilate of anything worthy of death. Jesus was perfect, and He got a perfect Bible and a perfect God and a perfect Holy Spirit, and they're all working in our lives to make us perfect, and sometimes we just fail to get close to God. Well, preacher, sure I'm tired. And I love to watch sports. I love to watch ball games. I love, I love to watch uh, UNC play. I love to play. The, I love the Dodgers. And uh, I, I'll catch a game from time to time. But if you spend more time reading something about the Dodgers than you do the Bible, we've got a problem. Or if you can spend three hours watching a ball game but you can't spend three hours reading the Bible, somewhere along the way needs to be evaluated. Do you not agree? Amen. Well, let me have one more amen so I can go on. Amen. 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 We ought to spend more time reading. You can read the Bible a lot more than we do. You can read it in the morning, noon, and night. You don't have to read it all at one sitting. You can read a few verses here and a few verses there. If we can catch time, you can stop at a red light and read your Bible. Just, step, just stay there behind the red light. Read your Bible. Read a chapter. You say, what well, if somebody comes behind me? They'll blow the horn. <laughs> if they blow the horn, you can move out of the way and go on. If you want to read your Bible for a few minutes. Someone may go by and give you one of these, you know, get out of the way, crazy. But there's times you can read the Bible uh, and close out the world. The secret place of the Most High is dwelling in the presence of the Lord. Well, is that true? That, that ought to be true in our life, and be, being dwelling as close to Him as we can And being filled with the Holy Spirit. I need that. You pray for me. All of us need to be controlled with the Holy Spirit. Making decisions in your life. Making decisions that are paramount. Uh, You know, everybody does prayer journals different. Everybody does their praying different. And I I don't try to dictate this the way it's got to be. What's comfortable for you. And what you and God work out. I was reading a little story today about a certain position you ought to be in when you pray. One preacher says you ought to bow reverently with your hands folded this way and your head down if you're going to talk to God. Now, been in places overseas, that's the way they pray. That's the way they pray, like this. They never put their hands in their pocket. To put their hands in the pocket is an insult to God, they say. So we had to learn that on the mission field. Don't go around with your hands in your pocket, because they may think you're insulted, they're insulting their God or your God. We just don't do that. But others say you've got to bow on your knees to pray. And they got on their knees and cried, Holy, holy, holy. Uh, yes, people have over the years fell on their knees. There's some that say, no, you're not really praying until you prostrate on your face. And there's been folks who've prayed that way. Uh, we've had them here at the church who get on the floor and, and with their belly on the floor and their face in the carpet, they prayed. If that's the way they want to pray, God bless them. But what's the position you brought? The Bible doesn't say what position. nor does it say how long you're supposed to pray? No, when the Bible tells you how long you've got to pray. Pray without ceasing is the only scripture. So what's that mean? I'm supposed to be in the attitude of prayer all the time, or be able to pray at a moment's notice. And boy, sometimes when your temper is about ready to flare, at least I find it true, I've got to breathe a word of prayer, a word of prayer to God, the Holy Spirit to help me. Sometimes when you're getting agitated and irritated, those are good words turn to agitated and irritated, you've got to pray. Lord God, you got to help me. You say, why should I ask Him? Because He said so. If He's the source of your strength, the source of my strength, and to help me, help you, then why don't we talk to Him? We are so dogmatic. Or so, not a good time, not the right word. We're so, we're stubborn. We're gonna do it our way or die. I can fix this. You can't, you can't fix what? Without the help of the Lord. He got control of your hand, and He's control. Sometimes I'm having a little trouble with my left hand. You got to, some of the shaky stuff, you know. So I'm trying to do something like this. And, <laughs> and, and then you, you can pray, it may not go away. I've been reading up on these tremors that you have. There's no cure for them. You can get some medicine to control them, perhaps somewhat, it's as long as you don't have it in both ends, but this one here trembles a lot. My granddaddy was 98 years old when he died, and uh, he was he got a cup of coffee, He had to do it like this. I saw him do it many a time, because he had to have his coffee. Doctor, several years ago, I said I got this tremor. Sometimes when I work outside the yard or do certain things, I start shaking. He says, "Well, anybody in your family have that?" I said, "My granddad did." I said, "He lived to be 98." He says, "Well, you probably have when you're 98." I said, "That's really encouraging." (laughs) Thank you for that advice. No, but all of us have something, and it's just a decision to say, "Lord, I want to be under Your control." the storage room and I'll close with the style room I talked about in the storage room what do you store on the inside? Bitterness? Jealousy? Revenge? Peace? Love? Joy? As a man thinketh in his heart so is he. You want to go to gauge what kind of person you are? How much bitterness do you have? How much envy and revenge do you have? So you cannot be like Jesus to that degree if you hold bitterness in your heart towards somebody else. And that's the problem. Bitterness is a root needs to be torn out, but it's root. So says the book of Hebrews. The style room, what you wear, your wardrobe, what you wear. Colossians 3.23. All things are to be done for the glory of God. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, we ought to dress please God. And I think a lot of folks have forgotten that in the Bible about how to dress. It's a wardrobe, what you wear. God, are you pleased with this? I tell you what do, women and men both look in the mirror and have a shock, I guess, look in the mirror, but look in the mirror and say, Lord, does this look all right? Should I go out in public like this? And what I'm seeing around town is people go to, they go to Walmart in pajamas. I mean, there's, things have changed since I was a kid. My daddy would have beat the bottom out of us if we went to town with the pajamas on, especially my sister. He ain't going out dressed like that. But my wife, and she's not in here tonight, is she? My wife has a habit, and I'm not saying it's a bad habit, it's a pretty good habit. At least three times this week she's done it. She says, does this look all right? saying, is this too low? Is this too short? And I say, well, let me see. You're looking good, baby. You're looking good. But you don't have to do that. I mean, is this, does this go with this? Here I am, half cut them line. She says, does this go with this? I say, anything looks good on you, honey, don't matter. She says, but it just ain't stylish. I said, Well not trying to be stylish. I'm trying to be comfortable, you know. But, you know. She always asks me about certain things she wears or buys, if it fits all right, too tight, too short, too, too high, too what? And so I give my opinion. And uh, then she goes and does just the opposite. No. <laughs> no, she tries to dress to please her husband and I am pleased. The storage room, the style robes, the clothes you wear, and etc. I'll pick it up next time and we'll complete it, the Lord willing. Be not drunk with wine, where is excess, but be what? Field. What's the word field mean? Controlled by the Holy Spirit of a holy God. Think when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed tonight, good night, Father. Or do like the old preacher. I love you, Lord. I'll see you in the morning. And if you get up in the night restless, I love you, Lord. Sometimes the best thoughts are given to you when you wake you, wake you up. You'd be surprised what, what God may say, say to you in the, in the cool, day, cool of the morning. God speaks all the time. David said seven times a day. Well, I praise the Lord. At least we can do it two or three times a day. But if we can be conscious of Him regularly and, and on, just, regular, just keep doing it until it becomes a habit like drinking a cup of water for a cup of coffee, because a Father sure do need you today. Lord, you know what I'm going to have to face. I need your help. And boy, I need that. So you pray for me, would you please? And I'll pray for you. Let's stand together. Thank you for your kind attention tonight. Thank you for being here on a Wednesday night. Thank you for the blessing of the Lord. Thank you for the praying for the conference we had and praying for our speakers and our missionaries. If you need to come to the altar for any reason, by all means, the altar stays open. You can come and pray and talk to God anytime, any time, but you can especially talk to God at an altar if you need to come tonight. Don't hesitate to come if God speaks to you. As we sing a verse of Invitational Song.